You're listening to The Social Workers on WCDB Albany. Welcome to The Social Workers Radio Talk Show. I'm your co-host, Alyssa Lotmore. And today we have a UAlbany alumna, Samantha Fletcher, who is the director of the NASW New York State Chapter. Samantha Fletcher, as I said, is an alumna of the University at Albany School of Social Welfare, where she earned her MSW and PhD. Prior to her tenure at the University at Albany, she worked over 15 years in human services, including a law firm, a crisis pregnancy center, an Islamic school, as well as a personal training business. While pursuing her PhD, Samantha served as a project coordinator for a peer support program for veterans, funded by the Joseph P. Dwyer Statewide Veteran Peer Support Program. She supervised the program's development, implementation, and evaluation of 16 nonprofit county programs focused on peer-delivered services. After earning her PhD, Samantha served as the Assistant Dean for Academic Programs and the Director of Admissions in the School of Social Welfare at the University at Albany. She worked with a diverse team of administrators and faculty to implement quality educational programming for social work students at all levels. In September 2019, we lost Samantha at the School of Social Welfare because she had got an amazing new position as the director of the National Association of Social Workers, New York State Chapter. Welcome, Samantha. Hi, Alyssa. Oh, it's so good to see you, even if it's virtually, and talk to you, because you've been doing a lot of things at the NASW. So I wanted to have you on today and talk a little bit about all that you're doing, especially during this pandemic. I mean, you started in September of 2019, really turned the NASW, that chapter, our New York State chapter around with all these new programs and initiatives and networking events. And now a pandemic hits and you guys are still taking it up another notch to serve its members, to get information out there, to still provide continuing education for social workers who need to renew licenses. So you're very active. So thanks for coming on today and taking the time because I'm sure you were swamped. I appreciate it, Alyssa. I always like talking to you and I always like being on this program. So like I said, you've been at the NASW New York State chapter for a little less than a year now. And what have your priorities been during this time? Well, when I was originally hired, the board um, really let me know that my focus was to do a very thorough assessment of every part of the organization and look at, you know, what's working, what's not, and how can we approve improve our services. So when I came in, I knew for sure that the members are first. Everything we do has has to put the members first. So that's really where we started with the assessment. And uh, I, I just have to, I have to give credit because I have a phenomenal team. So the people that I work with in the office, they're all hard workers. They're all dedicated. They love the profession of social work and they love our members. <laughs> So we work very well together. So because of them, we've been able to work and really change almost every area of the organization, how we engage. And I just also want to mention the board because um, the board of uh, directors and the other leaders in our chapter have been so good to me and they have been very available. I really can reach out to them at any time and ask questions, get historical knowledge 
and also help with direction. So I, you know, I don't like to just make a decision because I think it's a good idea. I want feedback from other experts in social work across the state, and they have really been that group of people for me. So um, that's really where we're at. We've been, we really started with that assessment, starting to make change, and then of course COVID, COVID hit when I was six months into the job. Oh. That's nothing major at all. Nothing that would cause you to have, you know, other things to put on your plate. So as that leads to my next question, so it was a perfect segue. So COVID-19 has turned the world upside down and it has brought to light a lot of the inequalities and inequities in our society, things that we as social workers have always known, but now society is talking about it. It has shown the importance for advocacy um, and the need for social change and for social workers. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on this pandemic and how social workers and the profession can make change. Well, obviously the pandemic is devastating. It's devastating to everyone who's been touched by it, which is, you know, almost at this point, everyone in the world has been touched by COVID. And there's a, the impact of COVID, I believe is gonna stay with us for years because you have loss of life, which is, and it's, it's complicated loss of life because people are contracting it and dying when in a, in a really unexpected way. And then at the same time, they're not able to be around loved ones when they're going through this. So that causes um, complex grief for people that when they lose someone and they weren't able to be with them. And then at the same time, you know, most of the time they're not even able to have a funeral that causes a lot of problems. There's also, you know, um, our unemployment rates this week hit the level of the Great Depression. So we have people who are out of work. We don't know how long they're going to be out of work. So they're financially insecure. The racial inequities are now front stage and center. So people are seeing how COVID is hitting black and brown communities harder than other communities. They're also seeing how different responses are hitting people of color differently. For example, in New York City, out of all the arrests they've made for people not following social distancing rules, one person was white. Every other person was a person of color. Those are inequities, just like you said, that as social workers, we knew those existed before this ever happened. So at this point, you asked how can social workers be part of this change and and how can we really help during this time. So one thing I've been saying is that we're doing the same work we've always done, but now we're in a pressure cooker (laughs) because our lives are in danger as we do that work. My life specifically isn't because I'm working from home, but I know several of our members and social workers across the state are working in the field and they're going into people's homes, they're in hospitals, uh, they're in, you know, organizations and community organizations that help people with severe mental illness and developmental disabilities. So I think one thing that's coming out of this is I I believe that our profession um, is a little misunderstood. I think a lot of people don't actually know what social workers do and they don't understand our training. So as you know, we're trained to intervene at the community and the societal level we're trainees and, uh, you know, classrooms and, and, you know, other small groups and at the individual level. And we're still doing that during the crisis. I think another thing that, 
that the general public may not know is that we're also in every area of society, we're embedded. Uh, we help people going through all stages of life. We help people in almost every setting. So that's something I think a lot of people didn't understand. And especially during this crisis, we're also the people helping the helpers. So I, we've been getting reports that, you know, the doctors and the nurses and the respiratory specialists, the people on the front line working on the medical side of COVID are turning to the social workers in the hospitals for their own mental health because the social workers are trained to deal with this. And the other thing is every social worker is trained to deal with crisis. So whenever crisis hits, we run toward it, not away from it. So I think that what we have to do is just keep doing what we're doing and then also just letting people know. So um, one example is we've been doing research on these disparities for decades. Now's the time to start getting our research out there because people are listening because they're seeing it. Numbers don't lie. So they're seeing these disparities in our society. So let's get our research out and, and show them that this isn't just a number. These are real people. They're real people dealing with the consequences of, of this disease. Well, like you were just saying, social workers are experts in, in this. We've been researching this. There is, you know, and a lot of the times when this was first starting back in March, they were saying, well, black and brown communities are being impacted. We don't know why. Why are they being impacted at a higher level? And all the social workers are like raising their hands going, well, we kind of know. Let's talk to us. And I'm glad that our profession is hopefully able to bring more to the, bring more to the, we invite it to the table, I should say, because we've always been able to bring things to the table, be invited to the table to discuss these and how there's this systemic issue that has been going on that's impacting communities of color, socioeconomic impact, like how this all comes together and is now tied into the health crisis. Yes, that's, I love how you just said that, Alyssa, because you're exactly right. So we as social workers know these disparities exist within our schools. We know black and brown schools are not funded at the same rate that primarily white schools are. So that impacts um, every part of a person's, uh, the tools that they're given <laughs> to succeed in life. It impacts, you know, um, a lot of black and brown schools, they may not even have textbooks, may not have access to the internet the same way that the white schools have because funding is everything. So it literally starts with the schooling. And then we also have, of course, the disparities in the criminal justice, uh, the criminal justice system as to where, who gets arrested, how long are census, who gets, re uh, who gets representation, all of those things. Uh, there's disparities, we've known there's disparities in the medical field for years. Um, who, who gets diagnosed, how they're diagnosed, who has access to, medications to therapies, all those different things. So you're right, it's all culminating and now we're seeing it and people are acting surprised, but we're not surprised because yeah. we know it's already there. Exactly, we'll move on to the next question in a second, but just as we were talking about even things like, oh, just stay home. Oh, kids don't have to go to school, they can work from home, they can get food at home. A lot of assumptions are being made that kids have a home, they have parents who can stay home with them, that they have the, the tools at home to be able to learn at home in an environment that is safe. You know, just thinking of the role of social workers, a school social worker, that, you know, the 
students coming to talk to them about possible abuse issues, things going on at home, things like that don't just disappear because of a pandemic. You know, sometimes these things are made worse where students need more support. They need more resources. So a lot of the ways to help protect yourself from this virus, to stay home, to, you know, not go to work, just work from home. A lot of these things were assumptions based on that everyone is on the same playing level playing field where we all can do these same things to just keep ourselves safe and keep our family safe. So I'm glad that you're talking a little bit with us and that social workers can contribute and share our expertise with mainstream media and with legislators and policymakers about how we need to make changes and advocate for, for change in our systems. So moving on to what the NASW New York State chapter is doing. What are we doing for our members at this time? And I've seen a lot of virtual chats and workshops with experts uh, being shared on the NASW's uh, New York State chapter social media pages. So tell us a little bit about what's going on. Because there has been, you have been, your page has been very active in terms of upcoming events and what's going on. So. Well, you know me and you know, that's not me. So. <laughs> have to give credit where credit is due, which is to, you know, our team that I work with. Um, and again, they're phenomenal. So I, I'll just say back when this started, everything really hit um, around March 16th. That week is when everything changed and it changed all at once. So that every day that week, the governor cut down the number of people, the percentage of people who could be in an office every single day until the end of the week when it was 100% if you can work at home, work at home, and only essential personnel can go out. So that was really like a turning week for us. And one of the first things we did is we were hearing from our private practitioners and also social workers who work in organizations on telehealth because uh, while some of our practitioners have been using telehealth, for example, um, P social workers who work in the VA, they've been using telehealth for years. So they, this wasn't a hard transition for them because it was already in place, but that wasn't the case for a lot of places. So we immediately put up two webinars with one of our members who's an expert in this area, Carmel Gold. She did two different webinars that first week uh, that was free to members and non-members because we felt like it should be, everyone should be able to access the information. And she walked people through, uh, through telehealth. She walked them through the insurance companies and how to navigate all of these things. So that was really one of the first things we did. Then we immediately started working on our COVID-19 webpage because we wanted people to have resources very quickly. And our the inflow of calls and emails to our office exploded. We were getting hundreds of emails and calls every day. And I, I always want, I always like to tell people in those first few weeks, um, when I was talking to people, I was talking to members, I was talking to social workers who aren't members, but are working in the field. Not one person called and said, how is this going to impact me? What's going to happen to me during this? Every time they called, it was about their clients. And they were like, how can I make sure that I can still see my client? Can you tell us what do we need to do? How does this telehealth work? What about when we go out in public? How can we make sure they're safe when we go out and meet with them? So I, I mean, I wasn't surprised because I know social workers, but I was so impressed. It was always about the clients and about making sure that they got what they needed. 
So that was really what was happening at the beginning. And then what we did is we really, uh, we implement services. We think about it in really about four different areas. One is advocacy. So that is one area that we're always involved in. So advocacy during COVID has looked a little different. We've, you know, we've been advocating with our state legislators, with the governor, and also with different state offices to, to implement things that social workers need, because these are unprecedented times. The, a pandemic like this hasn't happened in over 100 years. So we have to think outside the box and implement things to help people and help that continuity of services in different ways. So we've been doing that at the state level and then the national office has been doing it at the national level. And so we've done, I think over a dozen Act Now campaigns where our members and other social workers can contact their legislators directly and ask for what they need. So things like um, ensuring social workers have PPE, uh, hazard pay for social workers, um, telehealth, telephone telehealth services for med Medicare recipients, things like that. So that was one thing is just making sure we stayed in that field. Then, uh, then continuing ed or our programming is another area. And what we heard within those first few weeks, everything started getting canceled. So we had uh, social workers reaching out to us saying, I was signed up to go to a conference. I need 16 more credits so I can renew my license. And the conference was canceled. How can I get those credits? So our team got together and we were like, we have got to get programming up for social workers and get this information out. So we put up, we tripled our offerings within like a two or three week time period. We've included so far, we've had three COVID trainings. We have one today. Um, and then we have one coming up in June and then we had one at the end of April and we're gonna continue to have COVID trainings, but uh, really just ensuring that our, our members and other social workers have access to those continuing ed credits. And um, we just did another call for proposals so we can just continue this level of support and offering those those webinars. And they're really and, interesting ones. I've seen the ones that were posted. I was like, oh, this looks really great. I mean, I was kind of fortunate, I should say, is I just renewed my, my license expired in May. So I had finished a little early. I finished like the last week in February, I did my last one credit that I needed. So it was kind of like, I'm very, I'm very happy I got, didn't have to sort of scramble to get you know, my hours in uh, virtually or however to renew my license, but that's something important for social workers. And I think there were some things that they could get an extension where they wouldn't be penalized, but still you don't want to fall too far behind on, on your continuing ed. So I'm glad that you guys have done that because there seems to be some great topics that you guys have covered just from the policy level to child welfare workers to self-care. There's so many things you guys are covering virtually to make sure that we're still able to learn um, and continue our professional development. And those live webinars count as in-person trainings. So everything we've done counts as an in-person training and you can get all your CEs through that method. And, and for, those, for those who don't know, for social workers, there are a certain level that we need to have in person and webinar does count for in person. There's only a certain amount that we could do online or via you know, like books and things like that. So that having that as a webinar is a really great resource to social workers. And then we always, add another 
area that we always focus on is community engagement. So normally what that looks like pre-COVID is we actually go out in public and we meet at restaurants or we meet at pubs and people get together, we talk. Sometimes we'll have a continuing ed event in person, but it's really just a way for social workers to engage with other social workers. And it's a level of peer support. So we were thinking, oh, well, how do we do this when no one can you know, see each other? And one thing that I think is important is while we're physically di distancing, we don't need to socially distance. So we wanted to create opportunities for social workers to be able to engage with each other. So we came up with this idea of chapter chats. So these are non-CE webinars that we're doing. And we, I, I already talked about our board. Our board is just this group of incredibly talented individuals who work in all these different areas of social work and have all these areas of expertise. So my thought was, I would really love for people to get to know members of the board. So I sent an email to them and said, we have this idea, would you like to do this? And several of them signed up immediately. So we were like, we had the idea and a week later, we had our first one with Dr. Diane Bessel. She did finance, she did like finances during COVID and really walked people through like how to budget and, you know, different considerations and provided all these resources. So that's really where those first topics came from was our board and their areas of expertise. And that, that's been incredibly um, successful. So we've had, we've had great groups of people and it's been very interactive, which is what we wanted. We wanted social workers talking to social workers and we have, um, we have several scheduled out. I just talked to someone last night about uh, doing another one. So we're looking to carry that through June. Our next, the next thing we, we wanna do is we're really looking at uh, trying to do some fun activities with members virtually. So we've been brainstorming around that and what that looks like. I'm all for karaoke. I don't know if that's gonna happen, <laughs> but that's what I would love to do. What, a virtual karaoke? A virtual karaoke. Oh, so we could have the sound like on our surround sound in our house and just could be someone singing and we could hear it all. Oh, that would be, oh, and I could not do that. But it would be fun for somebody who has a little more tone than I do. <laughs> I think it's more fun if you don't have tone. Uh, <laughs> as long as, as long as a Zoom segment wouldn't be recorded, that cannot be, uh, that cannot be saved to be shared at a later date or put on a, you know, a Facebook live event. <laughs> Exactly. But we're, that, we're brainstorming that. And one of the things that we actually implemented this week was um, we have a yearbook page for our graduates on our website. Um, we really, uh, you know how much I love working with students yes. and engaging with students. And I have been mourning for the students because I can't imagine all the hard work they've done and not getting that commencement ceremony and that public acknowledgement of what they've achieved. So starting in March, we started working with, we have three members of our board who are students, and then we have two members of our staff who are graduating, who are students too. So we started working with them and saying, what can we do to support the graduates? What would you want? And we came up with this idea of a virtual yearbook, and we sent it out to the deans in New York State, and we've had in less than a week, we've had over 300 submissions. So, uh, so yeah. what? So what is this? Can you explain it a little bit? What is this virtual yes. yearbook? 
Yes, so we have a web page. You can go to our website, naswnys.org, and it's in our banners. Um, in our banners, the, the first one that usually comes up is COVID. Uh, the next one is class of 2020. And when you click on that banner, it takes you to our yearbook. And it has a picture and a quote of all these graduates from across the state. And then uh, the team is also taking those graduates and featuring them on our Facebook and our Instagram pages in like batches of 10. We may have to up the batches just because there's so many. We didn't expect to have so many, but I'm so glad we do because I even before I came on to talk to you, I was reviewing our page because it gets updated every night. And it just made me so happy to see the 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 array of social workers coming into the field. These colleagues that we have. And when you look at the page, it's just so diverse and the quotes are fantastic. And I, I mean, I was inspired by them. So I was really glad I looked at it before this interview. Yeah. I mean, we do have so many students coming into the field or you know, soon to be graduates coming into the field to really help our profession. And one of the things moving on to our next question. So COVID-19 is happening now, but there is still a ton of social justice issues occurring that need to still be addressed. And hopefully our students are now are new to our profession can help tackle those with those who have been in the profession for years. So we still need to be active on the advocacy front. What does the next six months look like for the NASW New York State chapter? What are you focusing on um, in addition to helping Gus get through this COVID crisis? Uh, I'm glad you asked that, Alyssa, because that was one of those things that I assessed when I first came in. And as you know, I spent five years researching social activism and social change. And just from my research and the, the other research that I collected while I was working on this study, I really found that the most effective social change strategies comes from large grassroots organizing and having people speak for themselves because they're the experts in their own experiences. So we have restructured our advocacy part of the organization and we believe that social workers are experts in their field of expertise and they're experts in the experiences of the clients they serve and understanding the inequalities that they face. So we believe that our advocacy agenda should come from our members. So we do that through our advocacy and government relations committee. So the committee is formed with members from all over the state. We have from students to retired social workers on this, on this committee in, a, in various fields, and they're the ones who set the agenda. So what we've been doing is we brought on a, a uh, policy coordinator, Evelyn Williams, who you may know, yeah. and she has over 40 years experience in doing this type of work. So she has come in and really, she's worked with uh, Mark Budigalari, who is our chair of the the Advocacy and Government Relations Committee, they have worked together to restructure this committee and how it works. So what they're doing is they're putting together essentially like five subcommittees on this committee to look at different areas. So one of our subcommittees is um, an, like a current issues subcommittee. And this is important because even through this legislative ses session, 
question, which is different than I think any other legislative system because it was cut short by COVID. But even going into this session, there were things that came up that were unexpected. So like the bail reform became this hot topic that wasn't something that we had, that we had anticipated becoming a hot topic. So we felt like it was really important to have this current issues that could address things like that. Um, then we have a social justice subcommittee that is going to look at inequalities in society and how policies can address those inequalities to make it a more equitable society for all members. We have like a populations subcommittee that looks at specific groups like women, children, veterans, and how can we create and work to pass policies for that, you know, for those groups. So everything has been this kind of rebuilding structure like during this time. So right now what we're, we're really working to do is to finish getting that, uh, that committee together and then start working on our 2021 agenda and really doing the work because to be effective, we have to research. Anything we're looking to change has to be researched. We need to have personal experiences. If necessary, we need to write our own legislation and that we think is passed. So we're, we're looking forward to starting on that 2021 agenda within the next two months. This is really exciting. You have done so much in the short time that you have been there. This is amazing work that you're doing. So I just want to wrap up because we're out of time, but what are, how can we be involved? If you're a social work student or a social worker who's not involved yet with the NASW, how can we get involved with your chapter? Or if you live in another state, how can we be involved with the, the state's chapters? So the first thing is join. <laughs> we're as strong as our membership. So we, we really want you to join and become a member. And what we've worked to do is make those membership benefits worth what you're putting in to it. You're paying a membership and we're giving you benefits. That's what we're working to do. So we want you to join. And when you join, you can be as involved as you want. So when I first joined NASW, I was a student. I didn't have time to be involved with the chapter because I was also a mom with three kids <laughs> and doing full-time program. So I didn't have extra time to join a committee or anything. So I just joined the chapter and I said, oh good, they're working on things that <laughs> the level that I can't work on right now. So that was that was good, good enough for me when I first joined. So if that's your situation, great. But if you want to be involved, we want you to be involved. So we have multiple committees that you can join and be a part of. And our committees run everything. You talked about our social media presence and like our webpage. We have a communications committee that's responsible for that. And the chair of that committee is our BSW representative on the board. And she has completely, her name's Notion, she has completely changed how we do our communications. So, so it's not you, you on social media putting up all those awesome posts? I think you know that. <laughs> they, they laugh at me because they know I can't yeah. do it. Yeah, I've known Sam for years. And one thing I do know for sure that social media is, is not always the strongest area for, for, <laughs> for you. But you do, the page looks great. So whoever you have in charge of it and the committee, they're doing an awesome job and really getting that message out there. So kudos yes, to them and kudos to you for, for organizing it in a way that they are able to really take charge of it. That's really Notion and Elisa and then Amelia 
at our chapter, they are responsible for everything. They laugh at me because they know I don't, I just tell them, Hey, can we do this? <laughs> it happened like magic. Um, so yes, if you want to be involved, you can be involved in one of our committees. You can be involved with our divisions and planning community events. We, we love social workers. Um, when our office is open, it's an open door policy. Anyone can come in anytime. We have people who come in and work from our office. <laughs> just, just come in and pull up their laptop and start working. That's the way we want it. We, we want to know who you are. We want to get to know you. And so that's how you get involved. Join, call us, email us. And when people join the New York State chapter uh, or wherever their respective state is, they are also part of the National NASW, the National Association of Social Workers too, correct? Correct. Yes, they get the benefits of both. So you join at the national, the state, and then the local area. So we have, um, we do things at the local area as well. We call them divisions. So like our social workers on Long Island, um, whenever we can uh, be together socially again, like they have in-person events where they can get to know each other. So you really join at all those levels. And I also just want to say how much our national has done during this time. I mean, the, the amount of advocacy work that they've done has really been incredible. And they actually just posted on Monday. They have a COVID webpage on, on their website as well. And they just posted guidelines for reopening and like really laying out different things for social workers to consider. So they are a fantastic resource as well. We work very closely together. Well, this is amazing. I want to thank you so much for coming on today and really highlighting all that the NASW New York State chapter is doing and how the social work profession can really, even one of the uh, themes for social work month was elevate social work, you know, how we can elevate our profession. And another theme was social workers stand up. That's another thing we can do at this time. So it's really elevating our profession, standing up for the clients we serve and the, the social justice issues that we see and take this time to, get the information out there to the general public. People are listening now. They're saying, oh, look, this isn't right. Why is this happening? Why are these individuals being impacted more? Why is, you know, financially, why are these people do not have services? This is the stuff that we've been talking about for years. And now hopefully we can keep it in the the attention of the, the, the national attention so we can make change and we can say, here's how we need to advocate. So thank you for all that you're doing with the NASW to help get that message out there to the general public and bring social workers to the table to talk about how we can address these. So thank you so much. Thank you, Alyssa. It has been a pleasure. Again, we were joined with the executive director of the National Association of Social Workers, New York State Chapter, Dr. Samantha Fletcher. Uh, she's an alum of the School of Social Welfare at the University at Albany and is doing wonderful things. So thanks again, Sam. Thank you, Alyssa. You're listening to The Social Workers on WCDB Albany.